human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with the man behind the curtain, our very own audio producer, Patrick McAndrew. Pat is an actor, the host of his own podcast, Relate, and self-professed tech philosopher, who is just one of those radiant people who exudes kindness, patience, and a true belief in humanity's highest good. We jam about improv and acting as a training ground for empathy, the concept of digital wellness, branding and authenticity, and fubbing. I'd never heard of it either. He says, humans are much more similar than we give ourselves credit for. Please enjoy this treat of a conversation. Episode 15, Seeing People in Their Best Light with Patrick McAndrew. Well, hi, Patrick McAndrew. Welcome to What's Hello. I'm so excited to be here. It's great. I'm so excited to have you. Super, super meta. Um, for the listeners, of course, Patrick is the um, producer and the the audio expert behind this very podcast. So uh, you're going to be listening to your own voice when you oh my adjust gosh. this. Topic. I know it's going to be so weird. Well, what's great? What's great about working on this podcast with you guys is that I get to hear every episode. It's great, it's uh, and I get get to tune in. And I really love what you guys are doing. It's it's such an important topic talking about empathy in the workplace especially nowadays too, where, you know, we're all working from home and sometimes it could be easy to forget that the other person on the other side of the screen is also a living human being. And so I, I really believe in, in what you guys are doing at Zany. And so happy to be here. Ah, you're a delight. I mean, I know that Zany is a really special, it's a really special place that only, you know, five or six people work at. It's, you know, a little, a little warm hub of empathy and uh, anybody who's a part of it has that you know empathy first in mind and you definitely read as that i mean right away you have this super warm energy a really friendly smile um great <laughs> oh, you're, made, you're making me making me blush i tell you <laughs> well here's the thing i know you're an actor and a performer and we thrive on that sort of um, positive feedback from the world. And I wanna use that as a place to dive in because Pat, I know that you have so many different plates spinning and I, I recognize that I'm super similar, but um, you know, just looking at your accomplishments, being an actor, being a musician, specifically a drummer, which is amazing and something I've always wanted to do, um, that you have um, you know, created and performed uh, solo shows and, also that you consider yourself a tech philosopher, that you, you know, as an actor, you don't just stop at, okay, throw me my roses and now I'm going home. You take what you learn from acting and you inject it in the work that you do as a podcast host and as a podcast producer. And I was wondering if you could talk to me a little bit about that. First of all, what is it inside of you that makes you want to be an actor as well as a humanist. 
That's a great question. I love that a lot. <laughs> and I think I, I wish I got asked this more often because I think that what's so central to me as a person and the work that I do is, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I try to inject myself and I try to pursue projects and jobs that are innately who I am. Specifically about acting is that when we, and you know this because you're an actor as well, is that when we learn and study to be actors, we're studying what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. When we're in acting class, whether it's scene study or whether it's improv, really at the heart of it is really connecting to not only the character that you're portraying, but also connecting to your scene partner. It's a lot about listening. It's a lot about awareness and focus and being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me a lot because through the years as I've gone through my actor training and observing that compared to what's happening in this external world where we're very politically divided, we're all very into our screens at all times, we are very opinionated on a wide variety of different topics, which is good. Everyone should have their own opinion on a variety of different things. But so many people are focused on what makes us different. And yes, while in a lot of cases we should celebrate our differences, I'm a big believer that humans are much more similar than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. And when it comes to acting, it's dissecting really that innately human aspect of us. And then along with that, being able to portray a story as well through, through acting is something that really appeals to me. And so that really connects to my work as, I guess, uh, being pro-human for, for humanity in that, I, you know, I'd be in uh, classes as an actor and being like, oh my gosh, everybody should learn these things. Everyone should be in, yes. in this class. And, and I'm sure you've heard too, there's a lot of people I know who have taken improv classes, especially who are not actors, who aren't interested in pursuing improv or comedy, but they say that improv was one of the best classes that they have ever taken. And it has helped them so much in their life and career. And I think a big reason why that is, is because in improv and then in also in acting classes too, also in classes that you're diving into very deep and dramatic material, we're accessing the play center within our minds and we're playing. And when we're at play, we are abandoning all, all other preconceived notions or, or worries or aspects of our lives that bring us down. Mm -hmm. And all we're focused on is the story that we're trying to create with one another, however ridiculous or silly it may be, or however dramatic and serious it may be at the same time. And so what acting does is that it allows us to really settle into our humanity. And I believe now that is more important than ever before, where it, it's so easy when we're caught up in our digital lives, especially now with COVID being online all the time, it's so easy to lose track of our humanity and to see ourselves as either just another cog in the machine or 
see ourselves as like a personal brand. You know, know, there's a lot of conversations around personal branding nowadays. And I think there's a lot of validity behind that. Mm -hmm. But we're at the end of the day, we're humans, we're not a brand. And so this is why this work is so important to me. Wow. All so well said. I have so much to respond to. I was trying to scribble down some notes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, to go to the improv point, because improv was something that I I also did a ton of improv, uh, but I started without the intention of getting deeper into it. I did it in order to pad my resume for commercial acting and then ended up absolutely falling in love with it. Not because not necessarily because it was another way to perform, but because specifically of the of the practices and um, you know the opportunities to connect spontaneously with no judgment with other people. And I agree that the people who I had in my class who were the most interesting to watch were those who had no interest in professional performing at all. You could really see them sort of discover who they were in real time. And, uh, and what, if, what if all people were required to do something like that, that requires you to not be able to hide behind any uh, in, you know, institutions, structures, rules. It's just you, just yes. make it to the world. Um, it makes you very scared and vulnerable and vulnerability ultimately, as you know, is the place where we can connect. Um, yes, I love that. I think, and I think it resonates so well with people who are outside of the theater and acting world because, in a lot of ways, except maybe for their childhood, for many of them, it's this very foreign thing. Many of them have not really let go and have played or or have expressed that vulnerability because they're behind these institutions and social structures that don't really allow them to express themselves that way. And so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting to see it resonate with, with a wide variety of different kinds of people. Yeah. It's, it's so exciting. It's kind of like when you, uh, when a friend of yours comes to your city and you show them around, you get to see your city through fresh eyes. And similarly, when people are exploring improv for the first time, and you've been, you know, working on your craft of acting for years and years and years. It it makes you see the, you know, the performance, for performance for, uh, you know, in a new way, in a in a sparkling new way. Um, and I wanted to also mention what you talked about with how everybody is feeling the need to be to have a personal brand, and how, of course, the more time we're spending inside of our screens, the louder that siren is. Um, to the point where when I was just looking at your website, you know, everybody has a, uh, actors have a bio on their website and generally the bio is written in the third person, even though we, the actors write it ourselves, right? Like I have one too. Oh, you weren't supposed to tell anybody that. (laughs) No, I know. I know it's your huge team of, um, of managers and, and assistants, but I wonder, like, it made me think, why am I doing that? You know, I think that so much of 2020, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, so much of 2020, because it has beaten us all down, has made so many veils fall, so many layers of, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what to call it, like, the protective sheen that makes us look more put together than we are. It's like, 
the more that we go through this pain of this pandemic of this of this year the more it's like anything that's not 100% authentic you see right through it and i wonder how your experience has been with that this year yeah i love this question about authenticity a lot <laughs> it it's one of my favorite things to dissect because in a lot of ways authenticity is preached about as like the holy grail of influencer culture. Mm. So it's like, oh, okay, if you're authentic, then you will draw a larger audience. People will be more interested in you and you'll create a larger following, whatever it may be. And in theory, I can understand that because it's like, okay, Yes, as humans, we want to connect with one another. And what's great about the online world is that it gives us easy access to a wide variety of different types of people. Mm -hmm. But something that to always keep in mind is that when we are constructing our own Instagram page, our own Facebook page, our own bios on our websites, <laughs> we are presenting a version of ourselves that we want the world to see. Mm -hmm. And so even if things within those structures are true, it's only going to be partly true. It's not going to be completely who that person is right. on the whole. I think that it's important for us to recognize that and realize that, that I don't know. I think to a certain extent, we can only be so authentic online. I think that there's definitely people out there who achieve this greater than others. I think there's people who are very upfront, who are very themselves. And I think it's kind of an art in some ways where they're able to be as transparent as possible mm -hmm. online. But I also think that there is still that, you know, voice in the back of one's head that says, okay, th this is a presentation of who you are. It right. may not necessarily be exactly who you are. Right. And that's uh, to go back what we were saying about the importance of humanity and the human is that that's why I'm, I'm a huge fan of just in-person interaction. Now, of course, during COVID times, online interaction, I think, has been a decent substitute since we can't really get together in large crowds. And it's great to have that. I mean, imagine if we didn't at this time, like, uh, that'd be wild. Like, if this pandemic happened in, like, the 80s or something, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be very interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's always something that I'm really trying to check on myself as well and check like, okay, how, <laughs> how can I present myself in the best possible light to people who don't really know who I am, but at the same time, not construct a false identity of myself. Yeah. It's a fine balance. Yeah. It's hard. I, I think about that a lot, especially especially as a podcast host. And I wonder about your experience as well, because I feel like we're mirrors in this way that we both do this job. Right before this call, I was on the phone with my partner 
and we were having a little bit of a fight and I was feeling myself getting upset. And I was like, okay, I have to go. I have three minutes to compose myself (laughs) for this so that I sound really happy. And I was listening to myself say that and being like, how is that fair to my audience or to Patrick, my guest, if I am phoning in my state right now, like to what extent, to what extent should I let my authentic feelings show through right now? That said, as soon as I saw your face and heard your voice, I felt better anyway. So I don't <laughs> feel like I'm faking it right now, but have you in, in hosting, talk to you about your relationship to empathy with regard to hosting a podcast and authenticity with regard to hosting a podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that what's important to keep in mind is that, yes, while we want to be authentic, we also want to be aware of the energy that we're bringing into the room. Absolutely. And especially as a position, as, as a host, I think for me, it depends on the episode that I'm doing most of the episodes do tend to be with guests. So I might go into an interview and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really feeling like doing this today, but it's important that I do it. Okay. You know, I'll hook everything up and hop on this call. And once I get into the ease of the conversation of it though, then I'm like, okay, I'm so glad that I did this. And I think that's something that's always important And that I always try to tell myself too, is that, okay, what would my future self have to say about this? Like, is what, is what I'm upset about or just cranky about right now going to matter tomorrow in an hour, in a couple minutes, that really gives me some good perspective as to what energy I'm bringing into a space, whether it is with my significant other, whether it's with a small group of friends or whether it's in a group, a large group of people. And I think that when it comes to authenticity, I don't think it's necessarily deciding to be inauthentic as if, okay, I'm in a bad mood. And if I decide to put my bad mood aside and just be open to what's coming. It's not like, I I don't see that as being inauthentic to my current state of mind Mm -hmm. as in like, Oh, okay. I'm in a bad mood. So I have to stay in a bad mood so that, (laughs) so that these people are getting the true authentic me. (laughs) I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I think a big part of it too, though, is it depends on the person. I'm someone who loves people and loves talking to people. And especially now I'm so deprived of my people time that when I get to connect with people like yourself and, and just others that I'll check in with from time to time, it really fuels me. It really gives me a lot of energy. Yeah. But then there, there are people who are like, okay, I don't want to deal with anybody right now. That's fine. And and they, they'd rather just be, be alone. And I think just communicating that in a mature way is the, the responsible thing to do. Well, that's exactly, I mean, mature being the key word here. And I think you just really taught me something in what you were just saying um, about, uh, you know, saying what would my future self have to say about this? It's almost like, being it's about being a good parent to yourself 
and knowing that if you, that we have the power to choose to show up in a certain way and that that energy, and we have to be responsible with that energy because that energy does affect other people in the same way that when we were children, we were told like, don't run over to the other kid and steal their toy. You know, that's going to make them upset uh, for, for our own selfish reasons. And it, so in the same way, it's almost like you're saying there is a, there's a, a mature adult way to be authentic, to not betray yourself in the moment. Um, yes, that's a very good way to put it. And, and I think that with all of that said, that's not saying too, that people aren't entitled to have a bad day. I think that's human nature where we'll all just have those days where it's like, I don't feel like talking to anyone or, yeah, I think or the you know, the difference is when you, sh when you enter a room and whatever the feeling is that you have is not done being a feeling that you can't put, it's, it's one thing to, to repress a feeling in order to enter a room. And it's another thing to kind of let the feeling dissipate as a new feeling comes in. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also being mindful of, yes, it, it, it's, I think a mindset of, okay, am I going to be an, in, a, in an active state or reactive state? Yes. Am I going to react to everything that's happening in the room, no matter how negative it may impact me? Or am I going to act and perhaps change the energy of the room right. in a powerful and positive way? Right. That's right. That we all to remember that we do all have more power than we think we do. And even if you're even if you're sitting in the corner of a room sulking and not saying anything that gives off an energy too you know and oh absolutely are real have you have you watched what we do in the shadows i way? have not no okay note to you and note to listeners please watch it there is a very compelling character who is an energy vampire that's his whole role. oh my gosh wow i love that yes because it's a show about vampires and most of them are quote unquote real vampires but one of them is an energy vampire <laughs> <laughs> is this on netflix or another streaming platform uh, uh, oh probably don't quote me on it because i think it might be fx but don't quote me on it okay i'll have to uh, check this out somewhere anyway that's neither here nor there um <laughs> <laughs> some important homework after it today's is, episode <laughs> This is always what happens when I have conversations with people. It becomes just like exchange of media recommendations lists, you know? <laughs> um, so I uh, more uh, into the realm of, of tech. Okay. So you're, you're a podcast host. Your podcast is called Relate, which I love so much because that's what this is all about. Um, you call yourself a tech philosopher. I what do. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So it, it was only until recently that I started calling myself that. And a big reason why was that as, as I began to meet with people in the industry, in the tech industry, and also, you know, digital wellness, mindful tech industries where, you know, educating people on how to use technology more mindfully, mm -hmm. started thinking about, okay, well, what is my role in this? Am I a speaker. Yes, I've spoken a little bit. Am I a coach? Yeah, I have coached a little bit, but there's people out there who are really doing that full time and whose 
that's their full pursuit. Then you have tech designers out there who are designing new forms of technology like Zany uh, <laughs> to really address a lot of these issues that are, are happening in the world. And so what I really came to was that as a tech philosopher, I'm thinking about and consistently researching how tech is impacting the daily routines and habits of our lives, and also how it's impacting, to go back to what we discussed earlier, our humanity. Yeah. As I see it, I'm really, through my pursuits as an actor, as a podcast producer, and hopefully down the line developing creative projects of some kind that address these issues, I'm really doing my best to think critically about, okay, how can we let the general public know about the impact that technology is having on us? Because I think that it's super easy and it's become super easy to not realize the effect that social media has on our actions and behaviors. As I'm sure you know, the documentary, The Social Dilemma yeah, just, just came out recently. And that that's a, a great film that really, you know, covers the baseline of, of the impact that a lot of these technologies are having. Mm -hmm. And I think with that said, these issues, they've been going on for a long time and not a lot of people were aware of them. We have people who wrote books back in the 2000s about these issues. And I think that what's important is, and what I've kind of have discovered in my own work is, okay, how can I create a story that is going to impact people to think about these things. So that, that's a big reason why I, I had started the podcast was that I wanted to create a different medium that people can listen to and educate themselves. I think that media and entertainment is super valuable for, I, and, and it's kind of an interesting thing to say because one might argue that sometimes that's a lot of the issue. You hear about people spending hours on YouTube or binging Netflix and things like that. But I think when used effectively to convey stories and to convey empathy, I think that media and entertainment holds a lot of power to be able to unite people together. Absolutely. That, that reminds me of how you know, when television was first invented, it was invented as an educational tool, not as an entertainment tool. And then it sort of got, you know, derailed into what we, into what we know it as today. And of course there are, with now with like streaming services, you can, it is very educational as well. You can watch all the documentaries you want, you know, um, et cetera. But I love that you cared about it enough. You know, you, you cared about the power that technology holds enough that you wanted to sort of put your, put your, not your body on the line, but like your technological body on the line you know, <laughs> and, and make that, and make that your, um, your activist goal. So I wonder, because you've, you've now worked with people in the arts and in technology and across a number of fields, if you have any anecdotes or stories or moments that you can recall where empathy really showed up uh, in, in your work, either as a podcast host or as an actor or both? 
Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I have to think for a moment. Sure. I think as an actor, and a big reason why I've always been drawn to the arts is that at least in my experience, and I say this too, probably coming from a very privileged background as well, is that my experience with the arts, it's always overflowing with empathy or a lot of the time it is. Mm -hmm. It could just be where I decide to pay attention, but I think that what's beautiful about the arts is that it attracts people from a wide variety of different walks of life. And so because of that, it makes it a very accepting community, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I had a specific story off the top of my head because I'm sure, I'm sure I could think of one, but I, I just in a general sense, yeah. a lot of the theater productions, a lot of the short films I've done, it's always been a very kind and supportive atmosphere. Now, of course, with that said, you'll always have like one or two people who as we discussed before, bring in maybe not the greatest of energy, mm -hmm. but so long as you either you yourself are responsible for changing the energy of the room, or you have a few people in there who are able to do that. It's, it's been a positive experience in the tech and digital wellness fields. I wish I I don't oh. know if I have a specific story off the top of my head with that well, either, but. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, although of course I did because this is about vulnerability. <laughs> but, um, I, I should have come more prepared. Oh, absolutely not. It's supposed to be spontaneous. I guess, if you, do, you notice, um, do you notice a difference in the way people in general show up in the tech industry as opposed to in the arts? Because I agree, I think that a lot of people who are in the arts professionally, they are doing it out of love right? They're doing it uh, because it, it, it sets their soul on fire, not because they think they're going to be multimillionaires doing it. And, um, and so I think people show up really open in general, you know, unless they're, unless they're like an egomaniac, which there are those in the arts as well. Um, but, but whether you notice like a sort of a different posture or approach to work when you're working with people in other fields, as opposed to the arts. Yeah, I think that there's definitely more seriousness going on in, <laughs> in the tech world. And not that that's ne not necessarily a bad thing. Right. But a lot of times when I'm in the arts or with people who are around the arts, I feel like I could let my guard down a little bit easier and not saying that I'm not my true self when I'm with more tech people. But I feel like I, it's, it's more of a playing atmosphere in the theater arts world. In the tech world, it's more business oriented. I feel like, okay, pre-COVID, if I was going into a situation like that, I was like, okay, I got to put my button up. Maybe I'll put a tie on. Uh, and I, I think you, you had a, a amazing woman on your podcast. Lauren Leslie. She talked about the costumes. Yes. Yes. yes I absolutely loved that. Me too. And I think that there, 
and, and not to an extreme sense, you know, she was, I believe she worked in finance, right? So I don't think it's to that degree, but there is a little bit more of that in in the tech world than there is in the theater world. I think that it attracts perhaps a different kind of personality, not necessarily one that's better or worse, but that there is just more of a focus on the work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But I guess I guess depending on what what I'm working on in the theater arts as well, theater people and arts people do also take their work very seriously. Oh, yeah. And I don't think you're saying otherwise. I yeah. Think I mean, it is this sort of sense of play. Also, the fact that, you know, as an actor, you're your job is to inhabit like the full range of human experience, even the messy parts that you, that, that, that actors have permission to be publicly messy because that's part of the job. Yes. Yeah. This actually is what I was looking for. So thank you. I think, (laughs) I think that the, the acting, the arts, theater, film, whatever it may be, there's more of a discovery process, more of an experimentation, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the tech world, I feel like it's, while yes, people are figuring things out, especially in the digital wellness space, which is a very new space, I feel like it's much more logic oriented and much more, okay, if this is true, then what else is? Right. Or if this cause and effect more so. Whereas the arts, I feel, is much more exploratory. Oh, interesting. Sort of like a left brain versus right brain. I think so. I think so. And not to say, of course, that there's not either of those kind of personalities in both. Of course. But in general, that's that's what I have found based on the the people that I have interacted with and have worked with. Mm-hmm. And I, so you talk about digital wellness. I wonder if you could expound on what that phrase means because actually i have not i can guess but i have not heard that phrase before yeah absolutely i think that a lot of people are confused by the term (laughs) and from for very good reason because a lot of times if i'll bring it up people are like are you talking about like a fitbit or something (laughs) and essentially as i see digital wellness it's essentially falls in the world of health fitness in a sense that, okay, you need to, or not necessarily you need to, but you should maintain some sort of healthy balance in how you're using technology mm-hmm. for, for your mental health, for also your physical health. Being mindful of the effects that excessive screen use could have on your neurology, being aware of the impacts that social media could have, the potential negative impacts as well. I think that it's important to strike a balance. And I think that's at the heart of what digital wellness is. It's all about, okay, you're, especially nowadays, we're on our screens all the time. Maybe take a few minutes and go outside for a walk. Or <laughs> That's novel. <laughs> right, right. Or, or cook a cook a meal for yourself, or for your significant other. It's how I see it is taking time to do tangible things outside the screen. I love that. And I have my days where 
I'll be on a screen all day. So I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as everybody, but I think it's important to find time to do tangible things because there's a lot of happiness and pride that comes into cooking something or building something or playing an instrument and improv, for example, to go back to improv would be an example of doing a tangible thing because it's just you and fellow humans working together and creating something together. And it specifically like in your body, like really living in your body, yes. utilizing your body to express yourself. I think that, uh, you know, people, people are like, oh, like everything is in your phone now. And I'm thinking, yeah, but a lot of things that I use my phone for are things that I used to have other tangible objects for. Like I read the newspaper on my phone, you know, or like I, I have my calendar in my phone or I play games in my phone. All of these things used to be like physical objects in the world that we interacted with. And they've all been compounded into this one thing that ultimately has us existing like from the neck up thumbs and face. That's Yes, exactly. Exactly. And over time that really does a lot of damage to our bodies and our minds. And you know, I, I wouldn't, I'm not an expert in this. I'm only a philosopher, (laughs) one could say. Um, But uh, I think that there's, there's always research coming out about these effects. And I think it's just important as quote unquote, digital citizens to educate ourselves on this because everyone is on technology all the time and it's embedded into the lives of most people on this globe. And so it's just important to be aware of, okay, what, what is your relationship to this object that you're living so intimately with? Yeah, that that's, that's super interesting. I think relationship is such a key word. And of course, with your podcast being called relate, which is about one person relating to another person, as opposed to one person relating to this piece of technology that can't empathize with us. Like it can predict what we're going to say, but it can't, we can't have this like symbiotic, like living, breathing relationship with our phone, the same as we could with another person. Exactly. And I think that's why it's sad sometimes where you see people giving their phone much more attention than the person who's right in front of them. And that's really, that's really what brought me into this world in the first place was just observing my surroundings. And I'd be hanging out with a group of friends and they would, or maybe not all of them, but some of them or a lot of them would be just staring at their phones And I noticed that conversations that I would have or that I would want to have would not go nearly as deep as I would have liked. Because every time someone takes out their phone to to check something, to check a notification, to check a message, you're going back down to zero because you need that sort of hypered focus and attention in order to really dive into a deep meaningful conversation. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like when you're with somebody and they keep sort of referencing their phone in the midst of conversation, it's kind of like they're cheating on you. And <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. There's a term for that. I think it's called fubbing. Wait, there's a, what? Yeah. Yeah. There's a term. There's a term. I think it's called fubbing where, where you, yeah, where you essentially blow someone off for your phone. Is that but how do you spell that word? 
with a P-H. Uh, P P H yeah P H U B B I N G. Oh, that Fubbing. sounds filthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it. I completely agree with you, and I also wonder. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I, my memory is not what it used to be, and I mean, I'm not an old lady, right? I'll be 38 next month. And I don't know if it's attributed solely to age or if it has to do with, you know, a lower, uh, a lower capacity to remain focused. It's adult onset ADHD, which so many people are developing now where, uh, you just lose, you just like lose words in the middle of nowhere. And, and usually like the first instinct is just to go in here. Like, it's just crazy to me. It's just crazy yeah. to me. Well, you think about when we were growing up, I, I think about like using the home phone and knowing a long list of people's numbers off the top of my head. I still remember people's numbers it's, when I was a kid. It's, a, it's amazing. And th that it's, it seems like such a trivial small thing, but there is something that was very, special about that. And I think there's a lot to what you're saying about how nowadays, just, just because it's so easy, it's so convenient and easy to outsource our minds for things that we don't really care to remember or feel like we don't want to remember. And the problem with that is that eventually there'll be things that we feel like we don't have to remember that we probably should, or that would be nice to remember. And so, so yeah, I, I think there's that that goes back to the conversation we were having about things being tangible. Yeah. Remembering things is also a tangible skill set for the mind. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a lost art in a lot of ways. It's something that I, I know I need to cultivate more of is remembering things. Uh, I think that yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's tough because it's so easy to to outsource these random facts and figures yeah. now. And it feels like I mean that would be that would be cool and great if it was like freeing up our minds to do other more advanced tasks. But it's not. It's freeing up our our minds to spend more time being addicted to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. that's that. I mean, it, of course, the phone, like television, invented for education. The phone the iPhone was invented for, um, you know, convenience and, and it does do that, but then it became insidiously something else, which is that it started stealing, you know, our, our energy from us. This is the phone is the energy vampire. Patrick. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Full circle. That Full is uh, absolutely true. Well, I, I, and it, I, it is true because there'll be times and I guess not just the phone, but screens in general, where uh, as everyone does you get caught in the trap of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and after like a couple minutes of scrolling i'm kind of exhausted exactly. and i've started to note that that oh my gosh okay this is actually draining energy the the energy vampire i tell you <laughs> so when you catch yourself in that moment what do you do to right the ship? What do you do to balance yourself? Like, do you have little practices or, or things that you do right away when you snap into this realization that you've just given away some of your energy? I think at the moment I just stop. Uh, so 
I wouldn't say in the moment I have specific practices, but there are things that I'll do, especially in the morning where I will do a certain amount of things before I check my email or before I check social media. Because if I don't do those things before going into the mess that is the online world and social media, it is insanely easy to get distracted. And so productivity will go out the window if I'm trying to get something specifically done. Mm -hmm. I feel like because I am so passionate about this topic and because it's something that I've researched and read a lot about, I feel like for the most part, I'm I'm pretty good at at checking myself. Mm -hmm. But with that said, there are still definitely moments where I get distracted very easily and then some time has passed and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, there goes, you know, some of my day. Yeah. So I, I think it's just important to have some sort of practices in place where you are in control of your actions and you're in control of what you need to do and get done yeah. because the online world is very persuasive. And it, it can easily take us off course. It was built that way, right? It was built that yeah. way. Yeah, I, I do think that in a way, having this phone has sort of forced me to cultivate more mindfulness. Um, right, right. Self-awareness to sort of snap me out of it. It doesn't, I don't necessarily win every time in that, but it does force me to wake up in the moment more. And so that's sort of my hope that's sort of my hope for the future. Um, <laughs> well, in talking about digital wellness before, there's a lot of people who work in the digital wellness industry who have practices focused on mindfulness. I think the two interweave quite nicely together. Mm-hmm. And I think mindfulness is a very valuable practice for a lot of people who are struggling with just their relationship to technology. Yeah. Even just the basics of, even just the basics of like noticing, like naming the five senses. What do I see right now? What do I hear right now? What do I smell right now? Et cetera. Um, super helpful uh, for me. And just to bring it back to empathy, I do feel like mindfulness is like an empathy practice for the self. Um, and uh, I was wondering, like, because you're a person who's just clearly so I just feel like you're an intrinsically kind, compassionate person. I wonder where that arises from. If you feel like you were born with it, if it's innate, or if you feel like it's something that you cultivated uh, over time. I think, well, first off, thank you. That's a very nice thing to say. There will be people sometimes who tell me that I'm very nice, but my, my argument is that the person I'm talking to makes it easy to be nice. Mm. And so to answer your question, I think in some ways, absolutely. I think that, you know, I don't know if I was necessarily quote unquote born with it, but I was, I'm very lucky to have had amazing parents in my life who are both very loving and supportive and caring. And if I didn't have that, I could guarantee that I'd probably be someone who is very different. And so I'm lucky to have that. 
My mom is a very loving and one of the most kindest people you'll ever meet. And my dad, he is incredibly patient. Mm -hmm. And I feel like to a certain degree, I got, you know, I was, I was able to see that in them and then cultivate that in, in me throughout my life. But I also think it was just being mindful. I think in some ways from when I was younger, this is probably going back to like middle school. Mm -hmm. I think that, and this is probably sort of like the more downside of this is that when I was younger, I think I was, I sometimes leaned into sort of that people pleaser mentality where a lot of people I met, I just wanted to make them happy. As I got older, I, I realized, okay, that's that's not like a sustainable way to live. But I think when I was younger, I think that I found a lot of joy in making people happy and making people laugh and just having a good time. And I also genuinely enjoyed people. Mm-hmm. I I think that. Uh, you know, and my significant other, she would tell you this, that I'm a very particular person, especially, (laughs) oh, I like, especially like about time uh, Uh where, and maybe this is kind of the theater kid in me of learning like, okay, if you're on time, you're, you're late. And if you're, yeah. And if you're early, you're on time. So, the, so I'm, I'm very particular about that. I sometimes am particular about where certain things go in, in my place, uh, in my apartment. So with that said, I, I don't think I'm like the easiest person to live with because I have these specific practices and ways that I, I go about living in, in my life. And, you know, my, my significant other, uh, my fiance and, uh, people I've lived with in the past would tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh yeah. Um, But, but I think the, the reason why I'm like that is that I know that I'm to talk about what we were discussing earlier, thinking about, okay, how would my future self feel about this? Like, I know that, okay, I'm putting in these essentially kind of these rules into place so that I could put my best foot forward Mm -hmm. down the line. And so because because I take care of myself, I feel like I'm able to see people in the best light possible, or at least yeah. I really, or at least I really try to see people in the best light possible. Because there's going to be people out there who disagree with me greatly on a variety of different things, and there will be people out there that I'll have friends who will be like, oh, "Okay, why do you like this person, or why are you friends with this person?" and I think that everybody has aspects of themselves that are incredibly unattractive and could be reasons for you to not like somebody. But on the flip side of that, and maybe not everybody, but most people will also have aspects of themselves that are actually very attractive and that are very appealing and I think that it comes to looking at people where they're at and where they're coming from and at their humanity at the core, instead of looking at, you know, just the surface level. And so, so that's how I, I really try to approach my relationships with people. And 
it's, it's because I know that if I didn't really take care of myself as a priority, that, that I probably wouldn't really uh, treat people as well as I probably should. Yeah, that's super honest. And I think it's also profound and uh, so important to remember. And I, I, I agree. And, you know, because you and I work together, um, I mean, I'm uh, going to be open about the fact that like, sometimes you say, sometimes we set a deadline and I fly right past it. It happens frequently. And you could be really pissed off. <laughs> um, you don't say so to me, but you, you afford me such a great deal of empathy and patience. Um, and I appreciate it very much because I know that in my work, my flaws show like I, that I might not be the most punctual or the most organized, but I feel like because you have cultivated this empathy, this empathy like tool inside of you, that you're able to see me for the good things that I bring to the table and not just the things that are annoying. And, uh, I, you know, I can learn from you in that way. And I do, I do. Well, well, I, I appreciate that. And I mean, we, I'm always learning from other people too, is that, uh, you know, as you were saying, you learn from me, I also learn from you and from Jumana and from so many people that I interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what makes life exciting, you know, is that there's always something new to learn. There's always a new person to meet and discover and learn more about. I feel like with each new person I meet, I'm learning more about the world and therefore more about myself as well and about what I want and my ambitions and, mm -hmm. and all those things. And so, so yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I, I learn a lot from you as well with regards to how to how to be a person, how do you, <laughs> uh, you know, like how to, how to really tap into humanity and specifically empathy. I think that when I meet someone who's very empathetic, it allows me to really dissect, okay, what, what am I bringing to the table and how can I dissect my empathy more, more readily in certain yeah. situations? Yeah. I mean, well, thank you. And I think that we're both very lucky. And I think that it is our duty to keep, to keep this like learning posture and this empathetic posture um, in circulation and to pay it forward. Because I think that we both are really lucky in what we get to do in our day-to-day -day lives and our jobs, really lucky with the people that we work with for understanding us as people and being patient with us as people. And, um, and noticing and really spreading the word that positive affirmation of who we are as people is what promotes productivity. It's not the other way around. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm yes. Snaps to that. That is, <laughs> that is absolutely true. I, I'm so glad that there seems to be nowadays more of a push for positivity in the workplace and, and not like, fake positivity where it's just like, okay, everyone's coming in with pasted on smiles, but they're really dying on the inside. Like, <laughs> right, right. you know, like that, not that, not that sort of thing, but like where people are, are genuinely caring about one another because 
I, I'm a strong believer that when an organization or a company cares about the people that they're employing and caring about the people within the organization, then the happier that they are, it's, I think it's just good for business yeah. in the long run. Absolutely. When the employees are happy, the clients I think are going to be happier. And it's just this great ripple effect that goes down. And so I'm, I'm glad it sounds like, at least from what I've seen, that this is becoming a lot more common yeah. than say you know, 20, 30, or even just 10 years ago. Yes, agreed. I mean, here's to this being like the front of a big wave. And, yeah. uh, and I do think that 2020 for all of the crap it's thrown our way has paved the way for it because it's forced people to reevaluate and reevaluate and like really interrogate how they work and why they work. And I think humanity is undeniably at the heart. Yeah. Well, you have people like Simon Sinek who are walking around and talking about the importance of why. And I'm, I'm such a fan of him because when people are working from a place of why, why they're doing this work, it just provides so much more meaning in their life and so much more fulfillment and so so much more drive to be able to go to work and, and collaborate and communicate more effectively with those who you're working with. I think that it it's just, it makes such a big difference. And going back to what you were saying when you were asking me about okay, uh, why, why am I the way that I am? Yes. I think that it's so much easier to be a nice person or to be, it's so much easier to be kind, to just show people respect. It's, it's so much easier than going out of your way to hurt somebody and to be purposely negative. That takes a lot of effort to do that. I agree you know, and, and also, I'm sorry, I just cut you off. Yeah, I know. I was, I was just going to say on, and then on the flip side, just showing someone decency yeah. and maybe throwing a compliment here and there, if it's genuine, that takes like no effort basically, but it really, it really, for a lot of people, it, it, it warms up their day and, and cheers them up. And when they're happy, then energy is contagious. So then you're going to be happy. For me, it's just like, it's just common sense. I agree. And I think that, you, you know, you use the word warms, it warms up their day is really telling because I think it does. If you, if you tune into your body in the moment that you're having an interaction with person, your body will give you signals as to what the flavor of that energy is. And putting negative energy out there will make you feel like crap. It's like my favorite, um, I think it's Buddhist that is, uh, you know, drinking poison or being angry is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die when really it's oh. just affecting yourself, you know? Yes. Oh, so well said. Yeah. I mean, I did not say it. I was definitely an offended <laughs> master. <laughs> uh, quote, Lisa Mandel. <laughs> no, uh, but, uh, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. And, um, so grateful I get to work with you. And uh, I'm wondering, is there, where, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Absolutely. Probably the best place would be patrick-mcandrew.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn too. I'm, I'm 
become pretty active or fairly active. You are. I'm, I'm a, uh, what's, what's the term? I'm a, I'm a social LinkedIn uh, member. Uh, no, it doesn't work. Like when people say like they're social drinkers, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm essentially that for LinkedIn. I'm, I'm trying to get better at that engagement and I'm, I'm trying to like improve my social media presence. I only got Instagram like a year ago. So I'm really trying to, I'm, I'm still learning. There's a lot I'm still learning and, and, and figuring out. Take it slow. There's plenty, there's plenty of addiction to be found therein because <laughs> Instagram is definitely my social media, uh, weakness. Um, yeah. but oh, it's so easy to fall, to fall down into that, that funnel, you know, but if you're going to be falling into that tunnel, you might as well be doing it in a way where you're helping other people to feel better and to learn about each other when I think you're doing that. Ah, too kind. <laughs> um, Patrick McAndrew, thank you so much for being a guest on What's Betwixt Us. And now you get to edit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This, this has been great. And I, I really appreciate it. And and keep up the great work with this too. It's, it's such an important message and such an important podcast that I'm excited for, for people to tune in, not only to this episode, but to all the great episodes that you've done. And I've told you this before too. You're such a great host, <laughs> such a great host. This has been such a good time. So to no one, okay. But yeah, definitely for listeners out there, be sure to tune into all the, the great episodes on what's betwixt us. Thank you so much, Pat. Thanks for tuning in to episode 15 of What's Betwixt Us, Stories of Working While Human. I highly recommend you go check out Patrick's own podcast, Relate, which is totally related to the topics we love here, wherever you listen. To learn more about Patrick's pursuits in both the arts and tech, please check out patrick-mcandrew.com. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at zanie.app. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.